Welcome back to another episode of our podcast. Today we're going to be in Romans chapter number 12 and talking about a living sacrifice. And as Paul begins to move into um, a new chapter in the book of Romans, he begins to talk um, really to all Christians. And as we're going to see throughout the rest of the chapter through chapter number 15 and even into chapter number 16, we're going to see how Paul just begins to ask the Jews and the Gentiles to live together, to live in harmony, to live as Christian believers and, and Christian brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, through my study that I, I've seen, a lot of what he does throughout chapters number 1 through chapter number 11 is he's breaking down so many barriers between the Jews and between the Gentiles to show them that they are the same, that sin is in their life, and that they need God to come and forgive them of that sin, to show them the grace of Jesus Christ, and through Jesus they can enter in into uh, heaven and, and can enter into his salvation. Last week in chapter number 11, Paul was showing the Gentiles that um, you know Israel has been hardened in this moment, and, and the reason that he's preaching to the Gentiles is to make the Jews jealous. He wants the Jews to take part into God's grace again, and that the Jews can look at the Gentiles and say, man, I mean, I mean, they, they haven't ever had the law, they haven't ever known Jesus, had never known God, but now God has given them the grace and the mercy to, to follow him and to live with him. So we're going to read through all of chapter number 12 today, beginning of verse number 1. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by grace you have been for by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy in portion to your, in portion to your faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who, acts of, who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine, Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So as we've read <clears throat> chapter number 12, we kind of see how 
what he does in chapter 12 is a lot simpler and a lot straightforward uh, than compared to the chapters before, especially chapters number 8 through chapter number 11, where the things just get kind of... Um, kind of difficult to understand where you got to take it slowly but thankfully Paul has given some last instructions to the Christian people in Rome to help them just live a good life and, and I like what he says over um, towards the end of the chapter to live in harmony so as we come into chapter 11 or chapter number 12 we see that he is asking these people to live in response to God's grace that God has given you grace in your life to forgive your sin and, and, and show mercy upon you to be forgiven. And we are to respond to that. We are to live a life saved by God's grace. And, and that's but whether you're a Jew or whether you're a Gentile, you are saved by God's grace to live together, to, to continue to show others God's grace. So in verse number one, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. That God has allowed him to see that all of us are, are brothers and sisters in Christ. And he's making this urgent request as he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, to, to all the ones that taken in God's grace would be his brothers. That God has allowed us to see his love, that his mercies is, is so great and so strong that we're able to understand all he's done for us. He asked them to present their bodies as a living sacrifice. That would be holy and acceptable to God, which is their spiritual worship. When I think of a sacrifice, you usually look back to the Old Testament where um, they were killing animals, right? And they were sacrificing them according to the law of God to, to uh, show the Lord their, their service. But Paul here asked us to make our bodies a living sacrifice, and especially the Romans to be a living sacrifice. And, and for us, for it to be a living sacrifice, it would have to be daily, over and over and over again, that our bodies might be a, a reward for Christ, that our bodies might be used to serve Christ. And, and not just to serve Christ, but that God would see us as holy and acceptable because of the forgiveness that He gives. Right? That it's nothing on our own that's made me holy and made me acceptable to, to God, but it is all, all because of His mercy. And that is our spiritual worship to Him. That is how we show God worship. As we saw Pastor Stephen talk about tithing in his, his, his recent, recent ser sermon and how um, we give a tenth of, of our money or maybe of our time or, or we're just called to serve the Lord in, in whatever our capacity may, may, may can be. And our spiritual worship is that we, that we would present our bodies to the Lord and let Him do with us that He sees fit. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern that what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I'm reminded back to chapter number seven and, and chapter number six, where he talks a lot about not being um, living in the old self, that we are called to be this new creature, as he says in Corinthians, that we would live a new life that we would no longer conform to the world. The definition of conform is, is to comply, that we would no longer comply to those rules. The old self would uh, obviously want to comply to those rules and obviously want to, to follow along with what the world used to do, but now we're called to do something totally different. We're not called to fall into our worldly selves anymore, we're called to fall into the worldly things anymore, but he asks us to be transformed. Where the word 
transform meant to comply. The word transform means to be changed, to be changed into something brand new. As he says, into the, the renewing of your mind. Renewal means to give us fresh strength. And every single day we need this fresh strength as we look back to this living sacrifice. That every single day when we wake up, we look at ourselves in the mirror and say, The old self is gone. The old self has passed away and new has come. And we can live our lives in response to what God has done for us because God is the one that renews our mind. Because he says, By testing we may discern what is the will of God. Through the testing, he understands our quality. He understands how good we are. And, and through the things that we may discern, these, these things between good and evil. We look all the way back to the, the Garden of Eden, and, and that's what the beginning was, right? That Adam and Eve had to discern between the good and the evil. Should they eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil? Right? That was their choice. And every single day, we are all faced with the same choice. Do we choose to follow our own wisdom and take of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil when we were told not to? Or do we choose to follow God's wisdom where he says not to eat of that fruit because it will surely kill us? Right? We are all faced with this same temptation, all faced with this same decision. But we see here that by the transformation of God, through his mercy, through his grace, and through his salvation, we're able to what? Discern the will of God. To see what is good and acceptable and perfect through God's word through his renewal, and through his change. So I see in the beginning of his first chapter, or of chapter number 12, as he's beginning to, to just kind of wrap up his book, he's asking these Roman believers to live in response to what God has done for you. Change your life to something new, something grand, something greater. He says, For by, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of the faith that God has assigned. I look back at what he says in chapter number in verse number 3. He talks about the grace that has been given to him, right? This grace that has been bestowed upon his life. I think of what Paul's life is in chapter number 8 of Acts as he, and, and 9 as he, uh, we see him holding the, the coats of the ones that are stoning Stephen and eventually on his way to Damascus as God changes his life. He sees God's grace in that moment. He sees God's love in that moment. And after that moment, we see him respond. We see him change the way that he lived and go live in a brand new way. To go live in a way that is worthy of God's love. That is um, working towards sharing Christ's gospel. Not that he's having to work for Christ's gospel because he know, knows it's based on his faith in him. But he's serving him in a way that he sees fit. And he asks not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, right? That we would have a humble heart. That we would not be prideful in who we are and think that we brought ourselves to where we are. Every day I, I try to remind myself of how far the Lord has brought me. All the things that the Lord has taught me and all the friends that have helped me along the way. And I'm not doing this on my own. That, that nothing of myself has brought me to who I am today. That God is the one that has brought me and made me into what I am and, and made me into who I am. And, and Paul is recognizing that within himself, that we would think with this sober judgment, that we would be sensible, that we would understand the things that are going on around us. And as the Lord gives us faith, that we would live in response to that faith that God has given us. 
because God has dealt with every single one of us and he's placed a, a certain amount of faith upon our lives and, and each and one of us has a different kind of faith. As we all believe in the same Lord and all believe in the same Jesus, some of us might doubt at times and that's perfectly normal and perfectly fine. But hopefully these doubts turn into uh, our strengths. We wouldn't sit in our doubts and we wouldn't sit in our misunderstandings and wouldn't sit in our um, wanting to know. But we would strive to become um, stronger in our faith. It's like weightlifting, right? We, we, we push these weights or, or when we run, we run further and further and further until we get stronger. That we might overcome our doubts to think that I can't reach that mile that we can, with sober judgment, as we begin to understand the Word of God, grow our faith from the beginning of what God has started in us. It has begun this good work in us, but it will also continue as we further along in Christ. He begins to talk about the body of Christ, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. I love the body of Christ imagery that is told throughout Scripture. Now we see each and every one of us are living in response to God's grace. And as we come together into the body of Christ, we're able to show our talents to, to help further His kingdom. And we're not able to do that currently, unfortunately, through the, the COVID-19 crisis. But um, we are, in a way, still showing our body together. That, that teachers are stepping up to, to teach Sunday school classes through Zoom. That our media team is stepping up to continue to do our ministry through uh, online services. That our, our pastors continue to preach. That, our, that James is continuing to sing and, and get a, a group together to, to help us worship. When we're learning new things, one thing that I've been trying to pray for myself during all this time is that, Lord, you would teach me how to respond to this, that you teach me something new in all of this, that you would show me how it works and, and show me how you're using this to, to uplift your kingdom and bring you honor and bring you glory. So in that, all of us have many different functions, but yet we are individually one in Christ. We see these gifts that he begins to talk about. That, that some of us have this gift of prophecy in proportion to our faith. The gift of prophecy is to proclaim God's word. We look back at the prophets of old in the Old Testament, and what was their goal? right? To listen to the word of God and tell the word of God to the Israelite people, or tell the word of God to the people in general. That the people might hear from the Lord and respond to God's word. Today, I mean, that is still the same, right? We hear a word of the Lord. We have the word of the Lord, and we're called to proclaim it. A lot of this reminds me of, of just pastors in general, that pastors pray week in and week out to try to hear a word from the Lord to give their congregation, to, to help shepherd their flock. And they proclaim the word of God to them. Then we have service, right? This, this recognizing of needs amongst people or, or within an organization or within a church. Many people come to mind when I think of the word serving and and when I look at our church, I think of many people that go out of their way to serve the church, to serve people. And service is, is, is what we see our, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ do for us, that in every single way, shape, and form, He would bow Himself and to serve His disciples, to serve the people. 
and that none of these lists of, of gifts that he puts before us are any better than the other, and they're all needed to perform the body of Christ. That the one that proclaims the word of God is no better than the one that serves the word of God or serves the people of God. He says, for the one who teaches in his teaching. A long time ago, I did a spiritual gift survey before I went on a summer missionary um, trip. And we had to take the survey, and it began to tell us all these different things. And I, I got the uh, definition from that pamphlet, and it said that, the, that teaching here means to communicate biblical truths. I'm thankful for all the, the faithful teachers that have come into my life, that have taught me biblical truths, that have shown me what it means to understand the Word of God, to follow the Word of God, to teach the Word of God. And then even brought me to the moment that, to show me how to teach the Word of God. And I mean, by no means am I perfect and am I great at it, but they have shown me what it, what it looks like, to show me how to do it. So the one that proclaims the Word of God, the one that, who serves the God's people, the one who teaches God's people, and we also see the one that exhorts. Exhorts means to encourage others. It means to lift others up to challenge one another, to, to try to change one another. We see discipleship all throughout these gifts, that, that in discipleship we need our fellow disciple and we need our fellow friend to proclaim the Word of God to us, to serve us, to teach us, and to encourage us, to challenge us, to make us better. I'm thankful for all the people in my life that have given me endless encouragement, that have challenged me, that have made me into the man that I am, the boy that I am, even the guy that I am, to, to show me what it's like to live a good Christian life, to show me how to live in response to God's gospel. He says to the one that contributes in his generosity, that is the one who gives uh, financial growth to the church, or just money to the ones that are in need, the ones that realize that, they, that God has blessed them richly and that they could give more than, than others. I'm thankful that the Lord has blessed me richly, and I've always done my best to try to tithe and, and, and to give my 10% and when needed to, to give over that, that the Lord would change our hearts to, to, to be these generous people. He says the one who leads with zeal, and that is, that is with passion, the one who leads with passion for what he's leading for. Many leaders in our church that, that endlessly do it for faithfully for over 50 years who do it endlessly and, and continue to do it over and over and over again. We see this not just in our church, but in, in churches everywhere. And one with acts of mercy, with cheerfulness. I'm thankful for the people that would just accept anyone for who they are, that would challenge them, that would ultimately, hopefully, bring them to closer to the Word of God and closer to God's love because of the mercy that they give them. I'm thankful for the people that look at the broken, that look at the weak, that look at the, the sinful, and they see the potential that God has in them. They see that God can change their life, and they challenge themselves to do that. And Paul gives seven examples of spiritual gifts, but obviously it's not limited to that. He doesn't mention anything about music, but I'm, I know that has to be a gift from the Lord, that, that someone can sing and, and play a song and, and play instruments, Lord, that, that, they, that, that the Lord uses them to, to uplift His kingdom and bring Him honor and bring Him glory. I feel like each and every one of us can have an aspect of each one of these gifts. And, and God has assigned us each one a gift, as he says back in, in verse number um, verse number 4. Sorry, verse number 3. That God has assigned us these gifts. 
But I believe in different moments, if we can pray and, and seek the Lord's wisdom, He will bestow upon us the gifts that we need. That God is changing us. God is transforming us into these things. That before I was saved, I was a shy, shy young boy. And I would not have wanted to even do a podcast, would not have even wanted to teach, would not even want to preach, not even want to be a leader. Always wanting to be led, never want, uh, wanting anyone to be able to follow me. But through the Lord and through what He's done in me and through changing me, renewing my mind and, and making me into who I am, He's He's made me um, into a preacher, made me into a teacher and given me joy in that. If I could go back and listen to my very first sermon or, or even the, the, uh, the speech that I remember doing in seventh grade, I would just cringe at myself and, and really would just have to take myself under my own wing to, to try to tell myself it was going to be okay. I can remember back to seventh grade when I did my very first uh, uh, speech, and it was awful, horrendous. And I remember my teacher coming to me and telling me, telling me I just repeated the same thing over and over and over again. And and uh, and I cannot re- imagine uh, doing that now. And, and I'm thankful that the Lord has brought me to who I am. So we see that the body of Christ, as we live in response to God's word, and the Roman people, as they live in response to God's word, they will begin to f- fulfill his purpose in proclaiming his word and serving the people and teaching the people and, and contributing and, and helping the needy. That the lives might be changed, that people might be brought to understand God's word and understand his wisdom. So as we see this, as Paul is trying to bring the Jews and the Gentiles together to show that they're one body, even though with each with many different abilities and many different gifts, he calls them to love. He says, let love be genuine. Let it be authentic. Let it be real to each other. To disgust what is evil, to abhor what is evil, and hold fast to what is good. We get I get this again. See this dynamic of trying to discern between what is good and what is evil, and that in that ultimately we would show a love to each one. That when someone is good to us, we show them our gratitude and show them our thankfulness through our love. But also when someone is evil, that we would show them our love as well. That we would show them the love of God in those moments, because when we were evil. When we trespassed against the Lord, when we crucified our Lord, the Lord showed us his love the most in that moment. And that made all the difference for us. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor is what he says in verse number 10. So we see that this brotherly affection, this love for for one another, right? not just a love for the lost, but love for one another. Love for your brother and sister in Christ. Love for your church, whether they be a Jew, whether they be a Gentile, whether they be a heathen, whether they be black, white, Chinese. No matter what, love your brother. Outdo one another in showing honor and showing respect and showing grace to one another. He says, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. I love this, I love this command. Serve the Lord. Don't be lazy. Be intense in your spirit. Serve the Lord. Right? Get off your high horse and get off your pridefulness. Get off your lazy passions. Strive to, to understand the word of God. Strive to understand his spirit. 
and serve Him. He has a, a, a means for you. He has something for you to do. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. It reminds me back to what he says in, I believe, chapter number 2, that our, endur- that our suffering produces endurance, and our endurance produces character, and our character produces hope. That as we suffer for the Lord, He begins to teach us things, begins to show us how we can grow, begins to show us how we can be stronger in Him. And as we become stronger in Him, we show Him His faithfulness in that. We, it shows us the hope in that, that God is forever by our side. Rejoice in the hope that He has given us. Endure in tribulation. And always be in prayer. Constantly in prayer for our, our brothers and our sisters in Christ as we rejoice with them. And we strive with them in their tribulation. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Genuine love is in each and every one of these. That we pray together. We suffer together. We hope together. We serve each other. We give to each other. And we just be good Christian community. We love each other. We show each other affection and kindness. And I feel like this is a, a strong challenge for the Jewish people and for the Gentiles in the Roman area because they are being challenged in this moment. Paul is showing them the right way to love each other, showing them the right way to serve each other. But are they really doing that? Are the Gentiles living in fear of the Jews because the Jews are looking down down their nose at them because they feel like they're still the chosen people? Because they have their status in there and don't want to accept the Gentiles. And even as Paul showed in chapter number 11 that the Gentiles cannot be the same way, that they can't look down their nose at the Jews because of their disobedience towards the Lord because they've also done the same thing but that we would realize that we all have sin, that they would realize they all have sin in their life, but God has come to save them, to show them grace, to show them mercy, that they should live and love genuinely. He says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. I mean, this, this first thing he says in chapter verse 14 is just, wow. Bless those who persecute you. Bless those who put you down. Bless those who hurt you. Bless those who don't want to have any part of you. Bless them. Don't curse them, right? Bless them. Because God didn't do that to us. As we persecuted the Lord, as we killed our Lord, as we turned our backs on God, what did he do? He blessed us. He blessed us with a blessing beyond any measure of, of any anyone can comprehend. That his love was so great to us that we must also do the same for the ones who do and, and, and persecute us. But we would also rejoice for the one who rejoice. When our brothers and sisters are, are happy and, and joyful, let's let, let us be joyful with them. When our friends get married, when our friends get engaged, when our friends have children, when our friends have, have um, monumentous occasions in their life through graduation and new jobs, rejoice with them. But there's also those times where, where death comes, where job loss comes, where sickness comes, where failure comes. And with the, in those moments, we weep. 
we cry with our friends. There's a time for, for crying, and there's also a time for joy. He asks us to live together, live in harmony with one another. Live in agreement with one another. Show brotherly affection to one another. And as we do that, we, we fulfill what he continues to say. Don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Don't think of yourself more superior than anyone else. Live as Christ did, right? Live on the level of the weak. Live on the level of the lowly. Live on the level of the people that aren't strong and the people that are sick. And show them Christ's love in those moments. Show them Christ. Live as Christ. He says, never be, never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. The word, the phrase right there, this uses never be wise in your own sight is repeated a lot through the book of Judges. The book of Judges talks a lot about how the people did what was right in their own eyes and not in the eyes of the Lord. And we see the ultimate turmoil that comes throughout the book of Judges that um, the, the, the people of Israel are ultimately destroyed and, and they're broken and they're sinful because they're following their own way. He asks us not to do that, but he asks us to, to live for the Lord, right? to do good for anyone, right? Treat people with respect in the sight of the all and don't repay evil for evil. And I, I think Paul, in this moment, he understands that it's not possible. That even when we try to live in harmony, there's going to be times where it's not possible, right? He says, if possible, so far as depends on you, live peaceably with all. He says, it's if, if possible, right? Try your hardest. Don't let your, yourself be the reason that you're not living in harmony with someone else. Right? Try your hardest to live in peace. I think verse number 19 is, is a good way to, to recognize the way that we should live our lives is, as we try to um, bless those who persecute us. He says, never, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will pay, says the Lord. He's asking these Roman people to recognize that in the moments that they're being persecuted by the Rome, other Romans, that the Christian church is being persecuted in these moments is when they show the love of God the most to those people. That they try their best not to, to curse them back. That they try their, their best not to get vengeance and to avenge themselves because God will do just that. God will avenge them. He's, show, he's showing them that in past scripture, God has said this very thing. Vengeance is mine, I will pay, says the Lord. He says, don't get vengeance for yourself, but on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heat burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil by evil, but overcome evil with good. So how do we respond to evil? We respond to evil by doing good to them, right? That when they're thirsty, we give them something to drink. When they're hungry, we give them something to eat. That when they need clothes, we give them clothes. Because God bestowed every each and every one of those things upon our lives when we didn't need it. 
that we were sinful, we were broken, we were evil, but yet the Lord clothes us, yet the Lord feeds us, yet the Lord saves us, yet the Lord gives us grace. So a people of God, these people of God, these Roman people, live in response to God's grace. Then in their evilness, in their brokenness, in their awfulness, the Lord loves them. The Lord gives them favor, the Lord gives them Jesus, and the Lord gives them salvation. And that's the way they should live. That when someone does them evil, when someone does them wrong, that they should give them grace. That they should show them love, should show them mercy. Whether they be a fellow Christian, whether they be someone that is sinful, whether they be someone that's never heard the word of God, they show the word of God to their brothers, and they show the love of God to their enemies. So how does, what does this mean for us today? I think it's very applicable. I, th I think it is very uh, challenging to me, even, even as, I, as I read these words and read the scripture, that we are challenged to love genuinely. That we are challenged to love one another in a way that is contrary to the world. The world says that if someone does you wrong, to throw them away, to put them aside, to, to say that they have no part in your life anymore. But we know that that is wrong. We know that that is not right, according to what Scripture says, that the right way to live is to love that person, to challenge that person to be better through your love. So as we close um, our time here today on the podcast, I, I ask us to challenge ourselves in this way that we would challenge ourselves to live in response to God's grace, to live in response to the gospel, really. That as we've been changed and transformed, that we would renew our mind, as he says in verse number 2 and 3. That we wouldn't be conformed to the world, but we would be transformed by our mind and by the word, God's word. And challenge yourself with that today. Live in response to God's gospel. Live in response to God's grace. Show it to your family. Show it to your friends. Show it to yourself. Let God's grace be upon your life today. Let's pray. Dear Father God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for how challenging it is, God. I'm thankful for the honest truth, Lord, that we do need to live in response to what you have done for us. Live in response to your grace. Live in response to your gospel. That we would challenge ourselves daily to live better and more genuine, genuine loving lives. That we would bless our enemies that we would exhort and encourage our friends, Lord, and that we would ask for your gift upon our life, that we would help uplift the church, that we would help your body, and, and that as our body have many members, as we have feet, hands, mouths, eyes, God, that we're able to find our place in the body and accomplish our goal, to bring you honor and to bring you glory. Thank you for your son, Jesus, Lord. I pray that you would help us to understand his grace more and more on a daily basis in our own lives. And as we do so, we will show that grace to a lost and to a dying world and a world that is broken by this virus, God. I pray that you would be with our leaders and, and help them to help um, understand the, the right decision between the good and the evil, God. That you would help them uh, understand and give them discernment to, to, to move forward. I thank you again for your son, Jesus. Challenge us in this time. Change us in this time. Love us in this time. And just I'm going to do prayer. Amen.